This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, you you guide us uh, to understand your word today. Please open up our hearts to receive what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. I have a friend who refuses uh, to come to church, even though I've been inviting him for years. So, and each time I ask him, well, why don't you want to come to church? And this is what he'll say. He'll say oh, jokingly, I'm too evil. I'm too evil. If I go into church, the holy light in church will zap me and kill me. And he was, he was, uh, yeah, that's the reason he gave over and over again. Now, after attending church for several years, I've not heard of anyone getting killed uh, by a holy light in church so far. But what he says has some truth to it. You see, people are evil. And we evil people can't come to the pure and holy God. If we do that, we'll be killed by God's holiness, God's purity immediately. If that's the case, then who can go to God? How can God accept us? So in our, in our third service, we've been going through the book of Matthew. And what we've learned is that Jesus is, Jesus is starting to show us how God can accept us. And what Jesus does is that he first goes to the Jews, uh, to, the, to the people who have originally received God's words, God's laws, God's commands. And he begins to do lots of big miracles to them to show them that he, that this new, that this new age has arrived, that he is their new king. And the other thing that Jesus does is that he teaches them how, how to relate to God. So you might, you, we might think, well, surely the Jews, well, they know the answer. You know the answer about how God can accept us. Well, God gave them the Old Testament. God gave them his rules, his standards. And the strictest of the Jews were the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees were the guys who well, they studied God's word diligently and they made sure that they kept all of God's laws. And they taught people how, uh, they taught people God's laws. In chapter 15 verse 1, we see uh, Pharisees from, Pharisees and teachers coming from Jerusalem. So these Pharisees, these teachers, these were the HQ guys. These were the guys, these are the guys that must surely know their stuff. These are the guys who must surely know how God can accept us. And because these are the HQ guys, these are the top the top of the top guys, surely God has accepted them. So what they've heard is that Jesus is in this region called Gennesaret doing lots of miracles. So that's what you see if you if, uh, in chapter 14, a few verses before that. So in Gennesaret, lots of people are getting healed. And these HQ people were here to check whether well, Jesus, is he the real deal or not? Is he from God or not? So after seeing all these miracles, all of what Jesus did, they decide, okay, let's ask Jesus a question. So some great questions they could ask Jesus is, okay, so how can I enter the kingdom of God? Or how can I know God? But what question do they ask? In verse 2, they find fault with Jesus. Verse 2, they ask, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. So Pharisees, they see the disciples eating before washing their hands. Now, the Pharisees were not concerned about well, germ warfare. 
or the seven steps of proper hand washing. No, they were concerned about God's laws. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, God said, generally, washing needs to be done in these two situations. Firstly, the priest, so this is a special group of people, the priests need to wash their hands before going to a temple uh, to serve God, to serve the people. The second group of people are people who have touched uh, unclean things or touched defiled things, but like dead animals. So they need to wash themselves before they, they'll be clean, before they can enter the temple and worship God. So, gener- so if, I have, if we can kind of summarize what, what's going on here, washing needs to be done by specific people or in specific situations. But what the Pharisees say is, washing needs to be done in, by all people, in all situations. So they want to wash often so that they can please God. They are worried that they bump into something that's unclean. Maybe they're walking in the market and uh, they bump into someone who has just touched a dead body and they'll be unclean. And they can't go to worship God like that. So they want to wash often so that God can, God will be pleased with them, so that God will accept them. So since well, washing is what pleases God, why not wash more often? So what the Pharisees have done is that they have invented uh, new traditions with higher standards than God's laws because they, they don't want to break God's laws. So these new standards, these are keeping them from breaking God's laws. Yeah, they act as a protective fence for them. And the Pharisees are doing all these things because they want to please God. So in chapter 15, verse 2, when they see what the, what the disciples have done, they know the disciples have broken the traditions. And what does this mean for Jesus? This means that Jesus failed to teach his disciples to please God. So God won't accept Jesus and God won't accept his disciples. So what the Pharisees are actually saying, they're actually accusing something, they're accusing Jesus of something very, very serious. They're saying, they're telling Jesus, well, Jesus, you are not the real deal. Jesus, you are not from God. So Jesus replies from verse 3. Verse 3, Jesus, Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So what's going on here is that there's actually there's actually a a match, there's a competition. Competition between God's word, God's command, versus the Pharisees' word, versus the Pharisees' traditions. So in verse 3 and 6, the Pharisees have pitted God's word or God's command against their tradition. In verse 4, what God said, versus what, in verse 5, what they say. Each time this competition happened, tradition won. The Pharisees won. God lost. This caused God's word, God's law, to be broken, to be useless. 
But just look at how they treat their parents. Relationships between the parents and children were very important to God. So God said in the Old Testament, in commandment number 5 in the Ten Commandments, that they must honor their, their parents. Also, or cursing your parents, not even stealing them or harming them, just cursing them is so serious that you deserve the worst punishment ever. You deserve death. But the Pharisees say that if you have devoted something to God, your parents can't, can't touch, touch it, even if they need it desperately. So let's say you have set aside a certain money, amount of money that uh, you want to give to God uh, in the temple. And then suddenly, your parents fell ill. Or maybe they had a serious illness, uh, maybe cancer or a heart problem. And then you go, to, but you have this sum of money that is trapped. So you go to the Pharisees and you ask, Pharisees, I, my parents are sick. What should I do? Can I give this money to them? The Pharisees will tell you, no, this money is devoted to God. You cannot give it to your parents. So what the Pharisees have done is they are, they are making the people break God's command. And the people, the, those who follow the Pharisees, they deserve to die because they break God's command because they are trying to obey what the Pharisees say. So the Pharisees, well, they are like the prophets and the teachers of Isaiah's day 700 years ago. And Jesus talks about them in verse 8 and 9. So this is a quote from Isaiah. Verse 8, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Teaching, um, Their teachings are merely human rules. So because the prophets, because the teachers don't know God, they can only teach human rules. And the Pharisees, they are doing the same thing. They are teaching human rules. They use the right words. They use words like, Hallelujah, praise God. Amen, all the right words, but their hearts, but their hearts are far away. So God cannot accept the Pharisees. And that's not all. Jesus also needs to, Jesus next addressed the, addresses the washing issue from verse 10 and 11. So Jesus says in verse 11, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. This is a very confusing verse. What does that mean? What, go, what is it that comes in the mouth? What is it that comes out? This doesn't sound clear at all. How can I well, hear and understand? In verse 10. Well, before Jesus explains the parable, well, Jesus, Jesus told, uh, Jesus' disciples told him that he big time annoyed the Pharisees with his answer. So Jesus could have said, Oh, well, I didn't mean that. Or they took it too seriously. I meant it as a joke. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says something even harsher. In verse 13 he says, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled out at the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. You see what Jesus is saying about the Pharisees? The Pharisees are the plants that God will uproot and God will destroy. Also, if his disciples follow these guys, follow these blind guides, they too will be destroyed. This will be shocking for disciples. 
What do you expect? Well, these guys, these are the Pharisees from HQ. These are the guys who should know God the best. But because God will not accept the Pharisees, God will not accept the Pharisees' followers. Jesus then goes back to explain the parable in verse 17. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach, then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But washing with, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. The disciples cannot defile themselves when they don't wash their hands before eating. Because what they eat won't affect them spiritually. What they eat will just ends up in the toilet. But the words that come out of the mouth, Jesus says, these words come from the heart. These are the words that defile them. These are the words that cause them to be evil to God. Why is that the case? Because the heart is the source of the evil thoughts that break God's commands. So listen, verse, ni- uh, verse 19. Murder, adultery, Sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Well, basically, these are commandments 6 to 9 of the 10 commandments. The source of breaking God's law is the human heart. The source of breaking God's law is the human heart. It's not whether you wash or not. So what Jesus is doing in these verses is that he's uh, he's doing an x-ray of the human heart. And what the x-ray shows us is not good. What causes people to do evil is the human heart. This means that no one, no one is good. Now this is very different from what some people say. Some people say that everyone is born good. But we learn to do evil because we see other people doing it and we do what they do. That's not what Jesus says. Everyone is born with evil in their hearts. And our evil hearts, that is what causes us to say evil, to do evil. So what have the Pharisees done? Well, the Pharisees, they've got the wrong solution to the inside defilement problem. They thought that well, physical uh, washing was enough. And if hand sanitizers were available then, they would, they would say you use hand sanitizers everywhere. But no matter how many times they use hand sanitizers, they use Dettol to wash their hands on the outside, the washing doesn't go deep enough on the inside. Their washing on the outside cannot cleanse their hearts in the inside. They are evil to God. And that's why God cannot accept them. That's why God will destroy them and God will destroy those who follow him. These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far away. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. For the Pharisees, their hearts and their words don't match. They say they honor God, but their hearts are completely evil. Their evil hearts cause them to have law-breaking lips. Now today, all self-respecting pastors will say that they honor God but there are some whose hearts are far away from God. They, me- they merely teach human rules to try to solve the heart problem. Oh, there are lots 
or for example, uh, uh, in Singapore today, I'll, I'll share with you one. So a few, many years ago, I was I was from a Bible college, uh, and this this was a Bible college that didn't teach the Bible. So this, what happened is we went through this seminar called Spiritual Warfare. So in this in this seminar, uh, this speaker was showing us how many parts of Singapore uh, is demonic. So like well, Suntec City, Suntec City has this, uh, so this is what he said, so this is not what I say. So Suntec City has this uh, feng shui fountain in the center, and that means that Suntec City is demonic. Or, well, the Singapore Supreme Court building. So his, uh, this, this uh, speaker's office was opposite the Supreme Court, the current Supreme Court building was being built. So if you notice the Supreme Court building, there's a circle, there's a disc at the top. So he could see it, he could see that disc being, uh, being built, uh, as the construction was going on. So he said, inside this round top, it's not actually a round top, it's actually an eight-sided figure, it's like a octagon. That means that it's demonic. This eight-sided structure reminds him of the Chinese mirror used to ward off evil spirits. Or this Chinese, this eight-sided figure reminds him of the old Chinese coins. So because of all these uh, demonic influences, oh, he, he also showed us a lot more than what 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 he uh, what what I just told you. Because of all these demonic influences, uh, we must be doing prayer walks. So this means we walk around these buildings, walk around these areas, walk around your neighborhoods, and pray and ask God to get rid of the demons in that area. Unfortunately, identifying demonic buildings or doing prayer walks around them. Now they do nothing, zero for your heart. If you follow false teaching like this, false teaching that doesn't deal with the heart problem, friends, you will be following a blind guide. And you will fall into a pit with him. So that's why false teaching is so serious. Following such teaching will, tu- will turn you away from God. So to know what the true teaching is, we must always... I'll go back to the Bible. Always ask the, ask, the, ask the preacher, ask the teacher, where do you get it from the Bible? And that's the question that you should be asking me, you should be asking uh, the pastors of this church. Because we need a solution that deals with the heart problem. So if, the, if God cannot accept the Pharisees, well, what, hope do the, what hope does the rest of the world have? What hope do the non-Jews, the Gentiles have? Well, let's see what happens next in our passage. From, from verse 21, Jesus goes northwards towards Tyre and Sidon. So this is a Gentile territory. But in verse 20, 22, there's a problem. Verse 22, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus didn't answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So what's going on here is that there's this Gentile persistently begging Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter. And Matthew uses a very interesting word to describe her. Matthew calls her a Canaanite. Now, Canaan is the geographical region where Israel and its surrounding countries are in. And the Canaanites are historical enemies of Israel, of the people of Jesus' day. In, in history, they, the Canaanites wanted to remove Israel uh, from the region. 
So they kept, they kept attacking Israel over and over again. Now, what's going on here is this enemy, this Canaanite, is begging Jesus to heal her daughter. But she, this enemy seems to know something about Jesus. She seems to know that Jesus is the son of David. God made a promise to a great king. His name is David. So if you've been following the series in 2 Samuel, uh, that's the king that we've been learning about. So what, what God says is that one of, one of King David's descendants will be a king, a powerful king, who will rule over lots of, will rule over the world and will rule forever. And this Canaanite woman knows that Jesus is this king. So she keeps hounding Jesus over and over again to heal her daughter. But then Jesus, verse 24 says that he was only sent to, to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus only sent to save the people of Israel by telling them how to enter God's kingdom. And Jesus uses this analogy in verse 26. We talk about the woman. It's not right to take the, the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So if you read it, you might wonder, who's, who are the children? Who are the children here? Who are the dogs? The children are the people of Israel. And the dogs refer to the Gentiles. So what Jesus is saying here, it's not, it's not right to take away Israel's benefits and give it to the Gentiles. So it sounds like there's no hope for the woman. She's a, she's the, she's a Gentile. And she's an enemy. She doesn't deserve to get anything from Jesus. But how does the woman react? It's interesting because she doesn't get upset that Jesus called her a dog. She says, Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. So this woman agrees with Jesus that the Gentiles are dogs. But she extends Jesus' analogy. You see, she believes that there will be enough for her and the Gentiles. She believes that what Jesus has, Jesus' benefits are enough for the Jews first, and then the Gentiles. But even the Gentiles, even like her, who are Israel's enemies. In verse 28, Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So Jesus praised the woman's faith, or her belief in Jesus, that there is enough for the Gentiles. Because what the woman said is in line with God's plan uh, that God will bless the Gentiles through this person, Jesus, through this son of David. And this woman came to the right person for blessing. She came to Jesus. So God accepts the woman because she has faith in Jesus. So this, this passage starts to point us in the right direction to know how God can accept us. Having faith in Jesus solves the problem of the evil heart and God can accept us. So Matthew puts the Pharisees and the Canaanite woman side by side to show us what kind of person God accepts. But God doesn't accept people like the Pharisees based on whether we have the right words, based on whether our parents follow him, based on whether we can keep the law. God accepts people like the Canaanite woman who believes, who believes that Jesus is her king. And if Jesus can accept this Canaanite woman, this enemy, God can accept anyone who, believe, who believes in Jesus. 
and God can accept you if you believe in Jesus. But you might wonder, well, did, you, did God accept this woman as a special case? Was this woman the exception? Well, no, because in what we see later, well, Jesus is still with the Gentiles. In verse 30, you see what Jesus does with them? Jesus, Jesus does what he does with the Jews. Verse 30, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. But Jesus is still in ter- Gentile territory, and lots of uh, lame, blind, crippled, mutes came, and Jesus healed them. Now, they, we, we know that this is not just uh, Jesus being a good doctor, because verse 31 tells us that the people were amazed at his miracles. So this was not an ordinary thing. Now, this what's going on here has some echoes to what God promised centuries ago uh, about what and about what will happen when God will save His people. So, on the slide we have uh, Isaiah chapter thirty-five, uh, verse five and six. It says, "Then the, will the ears of the blind be opened, uh, the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy." Well, that sounds like what's going on in Matthew chapter 15. And this sounds like what's going on through what, through what Jesus' ministry in the book of Matthew. So Jesus has been doing this with the Jews over and over again to show that God's kingdom has come for the Jews. And now, chapter 15, these same miracles are happening for the Gentiles. This shows that God's kingdom has now come for the Gentiles. Now the Gentiles are included They've been outside for so long and now they finally have a saviour to go outside to bring them in. The time to include the Gentiles is now. And Isaiah 58, 35 goes on. You see in verse 8, a few verses down, it says, A highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on the way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. There will be a way of holiness, a way where the defiled, the unclean will not be on. That is the way to God's kingdom. And this way, according to Matthew 15, has been opened for the Gentiles. The way into God's kingdom is through Jesus, through trusting in Jesus to save people from their law-breaking hearts. And that's why Jesus repeats a major miracle for the Gentiles. So in chapter 14, uh, in the the passage before this, Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 men, uh, Jewish men, uh, to show that he has power, uh, he has miraculous power, but also to show that he is inviting people into this heavenly banquet with him and with the Father. And Jesus repeats this miracle in in this passage for 4,000 men, Gentile men, excluding women and children, to show that the Gentiles are also included in this special feast. They are included together with the Jews to feast with God in heaven. They are included to have this special relationship with God, just like the Jews. God can accept Gentiles. Not just one Gentile, but lots of Gentiles. 
including you. So this passage radically changes who we uh, who we think God will accept. But it's not the outwardly pious person. It's not the it's not the one who thinks he can keep the law. It's the one who has faith. The Jews' law keeping could not save them from the problem of the human heart, the problem of the evil human heart. And this heart problem is the same problem that Gentiles have. The Gentiles have sinful hearts too. So God can only accept people who have their sinful hearts cleansed, whether they are Jew or they are Gentile. The kingdom of God is open to all if they believe in Jesus as their king. And they can be his people and they can be in heaven with him. And we can praise God. Praise God for this passage. Praise God that Jesus didn't send the Gentiles away. Why? Because, from what I can see here, we are all Gentiles. We're all non-Jews. So if God didn't show mercy on the Gentiles, well, you and I won't, will not stand a chance to enter God's kingdom because you and I have sinful hearts. I wonder what this means for you. Last night I was having a dinner with my with my friends, and they were talking about they were talking about this other righteous person that they know, and then one of them oh, he knows that I work in church. And one of them said, "Well, don't you know Nick? Nick should be more righteous than that guy." And immediately in my heart, I'm thinking, "Yeah, he's right." <laughs> but already I see well, that's my evil heart at work. I wonder what is it for you? If you are honest, if you do an X-ray. On your heart, I wonder what you will see. Jesus says that your heart is evil. But will you come to him to be cleansed? But this also means that we must not send people away from our church. People who are not like us. People who don't have a background. People who are not the same race. People who didn't go to the same schools as us. No. Friends, they too need God's help to save them from their evil hearts, or just as God saved us from our evil hearts. So we must welcome them in our church, we must welcome them in our gatherings, and we must show them God's solution to their hearts. So while last week, you didn't, a lot of you didn't see me because I was on holiday, and last week I went to a church that was near where we, where we were at. So this was more like a neighborhood church in Sydney, and one of the guys who welcomed, uh, welcomed me uh, was a guy from the neighborhood. And he was, from, he was from a very different background from me. So he's a, he a car mechanic. And I have a tertiary degree. I work in church. So he used to do drugs, alcohol. He used to sleep around. And he used to hang out with uh, that kind of, those kind of guys. For me, maybe, uh, maybe the worst thing I've done is to, to, uh, to argue with my teacher. But this guy is Ang Mo. I'm Chinese. Uh, he lived a pretty rough life. I can say I lived a fairly smooth one. And even though he, we were very different, I, I thought he was very welcoming to me. He spent a good 10 minutes talking to me, encouraging me to, to grow in Christ. I'm sure if I wasn't a Christian, if I didn't believe in Jesus, he would have spent that 10 minutes telling me how I can be saved. So friends, that's, that's what welcoming is like. Because we realize that we too... We all have this same problem. We all have sinful hearts. And we all need to open this way to other people so that other people with sinful hearts can find Jesus. That they can be cleansed.
So will you uh, talk to that person? Will you invite that person uh, for will you talk to invite a person for lunch after service? Or will you tell that person about Jesus to address his sinful heart? So God accepts people based on whether uh, they believed in Jesus or not. Not based on whether they kept God's laws. So if this is so, then we must avoid false teaching that does not deal with the, the sinful heart. And we must accept people from different backgrounds and we must show them the way out of their sinful hearts through Jesus. May God help us. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.